I'm Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre. We're once again recording at Nutmeg with our engineer, Frank Verderosa. Our guests this week are Emmy-winning puppeteers, designers, writers, producers, and creators of some of the most inventive, original, and imaginative specials and television shows in the history of the medium. Their outlandish, weird, and wonderful programs are too numerous to list, but we'll try. H.R. Puffin Stuff, Lidsville, Sigmund and the Sea Monsters, The Bugaloos, Far Out Space Nuts, The Lost Saucer, The Croft Super Show, Land of the Lost, Donnie and Marie, The Brady Bunch Variety Hour, The Bay City Roller Show, Pink Lady and Jeff, Briar's uh, Place. <laughs> Somebody groaned during Pink Lady and Jeff. <laughs> and DC Follies. In careers that span an impressive seven decades, they've worked with and alongside a virtual who's who of entertainment history, including Judy Garland, Dean Martin, Bing Crosby, Gene Kelly, Frank Sinatra, Liberace, Mickey Rooney, Sid Caesar, and Richard Pryor, as well as our former podcast guests, Chuck McCann, Mark Evanier, uh. Gino Conforte, and Bruce Stern. We've wanted them here ever since we started the show, and we're thrilled that they're finally with us. Please welcome two visionary artists who greatly influenced Frank's childhood and mine, as well as the childhoods of millions of living legends, Sid and Marty Croft. Not millions of living oh, legends, you. millions. Now, now, <laughs> okay. oh. now, Sid. Hey, listen. Do you know, uh, do you know the truth of the matter? What? <laughs> All those names they mentioned, we don't have one picture with any of them. You don't? Oh, we do so. <laughs> Now, Sid. Hey, listen. Okay. This is Sid, and I got to tell you something. Thank you so much for having us on because I am a huge, huge fan of yours, and you really make me laugh my ass off. I'm a huge fan. Uh, and I never heard of you. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a big, I'm a big fan of Frank's. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Marty. So, so Sid, Sid makes yes. me feel like a million bucks, and you make me feel like throwing myself in front of a train. <laughs> Not until this is over. The comedy stylings of Sid and Marty Croft, ladies and gentlemen. We are we are thrilled to have you both here. We can't tell you. It was going to be. Know, go ahead. Do you? I, I was just about to say, Marty and myself have been working together. For 60 years. Oh, my God. And I've been in the business <laughs> for 78. So I've been around and back. 78 and 
Wow. And, and you actually yeah. started it all with you being a puppeteer. Right. Well, what happened was the very first movie that I saw, full-length movie, was The Wizard of Oz. And, uh, and I knew that I wanted to be something in the business, not an actor. I was too tall to be a little person. So uh, I couldn't figure it out. But the following week, someone gave my dad one ticket to see a stage show at the Face uh, Theater in Providence, Rhode Island. And I never saw a live show before. And he brought me to the theater. He asked this couple to bring me in. And there was a puppet act. And the puppet act had a clown. I never saw a puppet before. And the clown blew up a balloon. And the balloon broke. And the clown got really sad. And I started to cry so loud that they threw me out of the theater. <laughs> That's a beautiful story. <laughs> and I sat in front of the theater, I don't know, probably hours waiting for my dad to pick me up and people would walk by and think that I was, where's your mom? Where's your dad? How do we make anybody believe that we don't do drugs? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you, you've been fighting that uh, that rep for, for many, many years, Marty. No, I, I'm going to answer it later. Okay. But anyway... Um, I'm here. What happened was... <laughs> <laughs> you get used to it because Marty always interrupts. <laughs> well, he never said we only have 45 minutes. <laughs> well, then <laughs> we've got to get out of Providence. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And what happened I was... I love it. You guys are like the Sunshine Boys. <laughs> yeah. I went... Older. Okay, I went to my dad and uh, because there was a kid on our block that had the very first Superman comic book. And in the comic book, there was an ad for a marionette. $3.95. And I went to my dad and I asked him if I could get it. And he was furious. You know, he never hit us, but he really let me have it. He said, $3.95 would feed your family for weeks or a month. And first of all, you're a boy and you want a dolly. And so in that same... I was born at the end of this story. Oh my God! <laughs> uh, you so guys that are was I, I. I purchased my first marionette, and that's how it all started. Yeah, so three dollars. That show, that show in Rhode Island that you speak of, that was a vaudeville show, Sid. Yes, it was. How about yeah. that, yeah. yeah. So it's so funny that your father was against that one puppet, and the two of you become legends. Because of that. An well, inauspicious beginning. 20 well, years, what happened 20, was... 20 years later, we sold that puppet for $50,000. Did you? No, we, wow. We didn't. I still uh, have it. I have it. I've got it in the original box. So that was 1940 when that happened. 
Yeah. Wow. What is what is this story? And I'm sure you guys are asked about this. The, the the story that used to go around that you guys came from a family of puppeteers dating back to to the 1700s. It was no. that was when we were doing drugs. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no that, that was a manufactured story by a publicist. I see. Uh, no, we didn't come. Don't from blame puppeteers. that on a publicist. Yeah. <laughs> Like, like in ancient Rome or something. Yeah, was the 1700s in Athens. The story was the, the publicist put out in the world that you guys came from like eight generations of puppeteers. It, it was bullshit. Fifteen. <laughs> so, so everybody, whenever I say I'm going to be talking to Sid and Marty, they always say, well, ask them what drugs they were on. When That's the question that always shows. comes up. Yeah. Okay, do you want me to answer that? Do you know we do Comic-Con every single year since it opened? Uh-huh. And the, the fans, I can't believe it. Every time we walk out, we think nobody's going to be there. They're up against the walls. And, of course, they come to see us and they come to hear us. And we never answered that question. But last year... When I walked out, I said, well, you know, you keep coming back and hearing the same thing. Well, now I'm going to tell you something that you've asked us all these years. Were we on drugs when we created this? And I said, well, I'm speaking for myself. If three presidents said they did not inhale, I did. <laughs> and they... <laughs> They ripped the seats out. They went nuts. I love it. But it wasn't funny. <laughs> the question, when they asked me that question, I'm happy to tell them. If I did as many drugs as they thought I did, I'd be dead. Sure. So that's, you cannot, to be serious, Right. you cannot create and produce shows stoned. Right. The audience, now the college kids and whoever watches it, I don't know what they're doing. Right. But... But I, I'm not doing this. Maybe the writers of you Pink can't. Lady and Jeff. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, they, they needed more than drugs. Do you know oh, that's it? that that show is in a time capsule? Did you know that? No, that's great. It, it's been buried somewhere in Hollywood. We had we had Mark Evanier here who wrote for, who wrote for you guys on that show. Oh, I love Mark. He's the best. Yeah. Explain the history. Of Pink Lady and Jeff. Yeah, and why did and Mar Marty? Why did every show, every episode, end up with them in a hot tub? Uh, better, better them than me. <laughs> but anyway, history. Yes, history's quick. I got a call from Fred Silverman, who said he's got two Japanese girls to the biggest stars in Japan. They sold more records than the Beatles in Japan. So I first question I asked was, do they speak English? And they said, he said to me, yeah, of course. Now they <laughs> arrived in America. I should have known it was going to be bad on December the 7th. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> so now, so now uh, we're in the office with them and the manager said, speak real slowly well, we couldn't talk any slower. And so they didn't speak any English. So I looked at my brother and I said, we are in big trouble. But we somehow produced 15 minutes. The network gave us $300,000 to do a, a development tape. 
and then we barely could pull it together. I went back to New York with the tape, the show with the Fred Silverman at NBC. So I'm sitting there talking to him about the Pink Lady. It was his idea. And we were praying that they wouldn't pick it up, right? But anyway, he's, he's sitting there watching the tape and, the, and his red phone rings. And it was the news department saying, the head of the news was saying, we got to talk to you right away. They're releasing the hostages in Iran in an hour. He says to the news head, he says, I can't talk to you right now. I'm watching Pink Lady. <laughs> that was how it all started. <laughs> and, you know, on, on the first show, Sid Caesar was on the yeah, first show. You spent a fortune on yeah, guests. There are a lot of good guests on that yeah. show. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. And, Sid Caesar was on all of them. He did them all. Did he? Yeah. He was incredible. Yeah. 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 Didn't and, help us with the ratings. <laughs> and wasn't I'll like, tell you. Go ahead. I, I want to tell you one story quick. Fred Silverman, the ratings are in the garbage. So Fred Silverman calls me up and says, we've got to get a big star. I said, well, I don't know if that's going to help. So I called him back and I said, look, I can get Larry Hagman, but they want $100,000. And the, high, the the rate then for a star, a guest star, was seventy five hundred. So he says, "Okay, let's pay him a hundred thousand." I said, "I'm not paying it out of our end." So of course, when the, when we finally got him and they paid, uh, the ratings went down. Went <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and wasn't Jeff Altman? He wasn't in the original concept of the show. He was thrown in. Mm -hmm. Once you realize you had these girls, who sort of like speak. Tony Orlando and Dawn, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, well, we no, had to no. get we always we had, had to get him. somebody to speak English. Yeah, yeah. So that was <laughs> <laughs> How did Pink Lady do? Did they, did they go back to Japan after the end of the show? I'm yeah. Did their they're careers still, they're still thriving. They're still, they're still working. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. But uh, they I, went I, back. I, I took them to Disneyland. Oh my God! We had to get. Uh, all the bodyguards we could. It was amazing because they were huge, huge stars. Not yeah. in America. Well, with the Japanese at Disneyland. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So they were <laughs> they were recognized by recognized, tourists. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. How about that, Sid? I, I'm going to go way back again to the beginning. You you joined Ringling Brothers when you were a teenager, and you were, were you built uh, you were billed as the world's youngest puppeteer. Do I have this right? Uh, oh yeah! Did you read the book? How did you know all this? <laughs> <laughs> we we do, we we have a crack staff. We do deep research, Marty. Wow. Okay, I was 15 years old, and uh, and I saw an ad in Billboard. Billboard at that time was a circus and carnival magazine. Oh, before it was music. And there was an ad in there, I didn't tell my dad, that they were looking for novelty acts for the sideshow. I never saw a circus. I didn't know what that meant. And they just opened at Madison Square Garden, the old Madison Square Garden. It was in March. And I took some of my puppets, and I had a Victroller with my music. And I went down and auditioned, and they said okay, you got a job. You can um, start immediately. And I didn't even tell my parents. I'd never been away from home. Wow. And they said, you're going to travel all over the country. And I said, how much money so I can tell my dad? 
and they said, uh, $40 a week. And I said, oh, I can't do that. That's not enough. I mean, $40 was like we'd be millionaires. And the reason I said that is because uh, I, I was scared to death, you know, t to leave my home at 15 years old. But the best part of that job was he lived on the train with the tattooed lady, the giant, and the fat lady. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, we had more than that. It was the most frightening. Well, I asked for $50, and they gave it to me. So when I told my dad $50 a week, he said, $200 a month? Okay, quit school and go, you know, because that was a fortune. When I got out of the circus, two years I traveled with them, I was offered uh, the Sonia Henney Broadway show if I could do it on ice skates at Center <laughs> Theater. Center <laughs> Theater. No, he didn't get that. He didn't clarify it. Uh -huh. Sonia Henney won the Olympics a few times. Sure. As an ice skater. Famous skater. Yeah. She had this theater in New York. It's like right next to Radio, Radio City, City Music, Music Hall. Hall. It was you know, the second uh, biggest theater in the world. They tore it down. And, uh, and they had an ice show there. And I went and auditioned. I couldn't even skate. I was holding on to my rack with my puppets. <laughs> and, they, and they hired me. You had, wait a minute. You had to ice skate and do puppetry simultaneously? Yeah, yeah. Wow. And they hired me. I had a week to learn how to skate. I couldn't stop and I couldn't turn around. <laughs> <laughs> and guess what? Brooks Atkinson of the New York Times, they named a Broadway sure, theater sure. after him. I got the headline. It said, Sid Croft's strutting puppets are masterpieces. It was like the sensation of New York. I love it. Yeah. So now, while he was doing all that, I was about 9, 10, 11 years old. We had no cash still, so we were living in the Bronx with cockroaches. He was gone doing his act, and, and I lived that. We actually moved uh, right behind Yankees, about three blocks from Yankee Stadium. So I used to, as I was, like when I was 12, uh, I worked in a drugstore that had a lunch counter, and the hotel on the Grand Concourse had all the, the visiting ball players. So I used to walk Joe DiMaggio wow. down the hill to the ballpark wow. a lot. So I knew all those ball players when Phil, I was a Phil kid. Rizzuto and, uh, and Barra, oh, all those guys. All those, Bobby Brown, all those sure. guys. Sure, Tommy Henrick. How about and, that? Oh, yeah. Wow. Didn't Liberace spread a rumor that he and Sonia Henney were having a hot and heavy affair? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Liberace was... I met him when I became a Hilton act. The Hilton hotels all over the country had a showroom, and if you played a Hilton hotel... You were you were a huge huge star. You know the Waldorf Astoria, the Plaza. You're getting fifty two dollars a week then. Wow. No. no. <laughs> Only kidding. No. <laughs> 
And uh, Liberace was a famous society act. Uh, and after Judy Garland, I, the tour I did with Judy Garland over a year, um, then I toured with Liberace. And boy, are there some great stories to be told. Tell us one. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Was that was that the show, Marty, where you said it cost two two thousand to travel the show, and it was only taking in fifteen hundred a week? Uh, well, that was it was more than that. <laughs> the loss was bigger. <laughs> the loss was bigger. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, we then, we we never did well uh, with the uh, you know our, our show. Our act always cost more than we were getting because of the amount of. Wasn't Liberace at the time known as a big ladies' man? Oh yeah. Oh, oh, definitely. Yeah, you didn't know. If those were the days where you knew nothing about stars' personal lives mm -hmm. they because knew, they everything knew. was hidden, you know. There was not that many secrets then. <laughs> and, and, his, and his audience, they were all, the women were all there, but they were like about 130 years old. <laughs> They used to plaster his picture on the magazines, on the celebrity tra magazines. Traveling with him Huge. was very funny. Yeah. Well, I, I joined Sid a little bit before that, but I remember he had a house in Palm Springs, and I was like 19 or 20, and he had the Cadillac with the piano. With the, It was a piano, all the piano in the back seat. It looked like a piano. And he let me drive it. Of course, I was thinking this was a good car to pick up girls with. No way. <laughs> well, well, you know, there's one thing that I want to say about Liberace. That movie that was made uh -huh. with Michael, Michael, and, Doug, Michael uh, Douglas, yeah, Douglas. Yeah, none of it was true. I knew Liberace since 1952. He never was like that. He was the coolest guy. Uh, wh whatever he did in his personal life was so hidden and never, ever discussed, you know, out in the open. And so, but that movie just made him just a, a screamer. And he wasn't, Liberace was the greatest. And, and I gotta, I just watched it again recently. You're kidding. And that was <laughs> the Brady Bunch Variety Hour. Boy, you're really jumping oh around there. Yeah, yeah. Oh my <laughs> and 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 that it's, was a trip. Yeah. It 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 you watch it and it looks like hell. Is you know what? what looks like you know, that. it was it was hell. <laughs> <laughs> well listen, they were great kids, but they couldn't walk in rhythm, so we had a problem. But that was it. We were on there for about six or eight weeks. You know, look, they, they tried real hard. The first week we were on on ABC, we got a 50 share and a 27 rating. That would have been number one today on the networks. The second week we got a, let's see, a 25 share and a 12 rating. So the thing, the audience caught on. But we did the best we could with it. And we had a lot of guest stars on that, too. A lot. So, yeah, we, yeah. Did. Yeah. we did. And it's so funny. Well, they were wearing outfits that by 70s standards were ugly. And, <laughs> and they had... 
they did one that was a salute to disco. And, oh, yeah. and they had Rip Taylor in a duck outfit singing Disco Duck. I love it. And Rerun, doing the Rerun Fred dance. <laughs> yeah, don't you miss the 70s, guys? Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, come on, yeah. Is, is that one in the time capsule, too? I think it is. No, we have all that clothes in a warehouse. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they even made a movie, right? The The Brady Bunch did that movie that did well. Oh, yeah, and two they, of them. And, yeah, yeah, and they uh, sort of copied the the singing and the dancing. Absolutely. Right. It, it was great. Yeah. Not was quite. Great. Said, yeah. They, they did a copy that much. <laughs> <laughs> we and we just costume. we just had Tim Matheson on before you guys who played the villain in the second in the second movie. Oh, the Brady, right. A very oh, yeah. very Brady yeah. sequel. Was yeah. why why was Eve Plum a holdout? The girl that played Eve, Jan. Well, you know why? She and her father were smart. <laughs> but she didn't want to do it. Yeah. She did not want to do it. So we got them. We got everybody but her. Then, you know that. I don't know if that helped us or hurt us, but she didn't want to do it. But I'll tell you that those that that whole cast was great. You know, we had Lawrence Henderson was oh, I mean, oh she's great yeah, and we you had know. swimmers. It it was it was wild. No. I mean, you watching it? Didn't you laugh a lot? Oh yeah. Nobody it? nobody attempts television like that anymore. No. So no. ambitious. It was jaw dropping. Yeah. Some part. Of right. it. <laughs> well, let me tell you, I I cried a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Marty, you're hilarious. So, Sid, what was the unusual artistry of Sid Croft? Was that the name of the tour? Uh, that was my act. Yeah, your act. Yeah. Yeah, it right. still is. <laughs> <laughs> and when M Marty, when you joined, you were doing you were doing puppets as well. You were producing, and well, I, I no. no, I wasn't no. producing. I was eleven. No, I I joined his act, and th then we turned it, you know, from a puppet act into Le Poupée de Paris, which is the adults only mm -hmm. puppet show, which got us on the map. And then we kind of, I'd like to say, we turned it from an act into a business. But uh, being in this business, it's tough, right? So anyway, we look, we did a lot of things. We have a lot to be grateful for. Much more. We've done much more than the few movies and the, the, massive, the massive amount of television. But, you know, most of our stuff was live, and we did a lot of things. You Absolutely. Know, we have, in so. the 60s, we first met Walt Disney for the first time. And he said to us, can I give you both some advice? And we both like, oh, my God, Walt Disney's going to give us advice. He said, always put your names above, above everything that you create because someday it's going to be worth something. So last week, or I guess it's two weeks now, thank you, Walt. Look what we got. A lifetime achievement. Yeah, I was going to ask just, you about that. Congratulations yeah. on that lifetime achievement, Emmy. Yeah. I'm about to sell mine. <laughs> <laughs> Already. <laughs> Let's talk you about... Know, the, let, go ahead. Go ahead, Marty. No, the, I, I want to kind of add to the story with Walt Disney. Yeah. We're in the Polo Lounge with Sid Charisse and 
Tony Martin, and he and he saw Sid Charisse and her legs. You know she is sure. And uh, he came over, and he said, "Whatever you do, don't sell anything that you create, and always fight for your name above the title." But the one thing he didn't tell us: how do we save our money? Never how to do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> I he, wanna... left away, he left us with two good things. Yeah, yeah. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast. But first, a word from our sponsor. I, I want to ask you about, too, the the, uh, the adult puppet show. Uh, and, and the people that... I was listening to the album, by the way, and I can't believe that oh, you got... Wow. All of those wonderful people are on there. Gene Kelly is on there, and, and Sinatra, and, and uh, Pearl Bailey, and... Phil Silvers and Edie Adams and Jane Mansfield and Uncle Milty. I mean, and uh, Sammy Kahn and Jimmy Van Usen. And the song, the Sammy Kahn and Jimmy Van Usen. There's, you'll appreciate this, Gilbert. There's a Frankenstein and a Dracula puppet. And and Guy Marks is doing the voice of uh, Dracula. Oh, He's doing his Lugosi yeah. impression. Yeah. Hey, Frank, how do you have time to work watching all this stuff and reading about us? <laughs> you, know, you know too much. <laughs> I know that Joey Foreman also did the Karloff voice. He did the... Uh, right, yeah, right. Yeah. How did you get all those people? I know the thing was a big hit. Well, I'll tell you, Sammy Khan helped us a lot because he had written for Sinatra, right. everybody. So we had a, we had 18 stars in that thing, from Gene Kelly to Sinatra to Dean Martin, the you know, Sammy Davis Jr. So we built puppets of all of them. And... Uh, and so that's that how show we got played them. to nine and a half million people. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. That that put us. So I'll on tell the you map. a fast story about the New York World's Fair. Yeah, because we were the only show that survived. So we put on the marquee of the theater, you know, all the names of these stars, and we never advertised it as puppets. So it's kind of like misleading. <laughs> so I was standing out front one day, and a woman walked by with a little kid, and she looked at the marquee and she said. The, the price was like $3. She said, Frank Sinatra, Elvis Presley, Dean Martin, Jane Mansfield, I don't want to see her. Let's go. She passed up all the stars. <laughs> <laughs> what, what happened when Billy Graham came to see the show? Oh, God, that was at the Seattle World's Fair. We were sponsored by the fair, and they built this beautiful theater for us. When you walked in to the theater... It was like a garden, and, it, and the whole audience was on a turntable. And when the show started, we revolved the people and the girls, the puppets, came out of the ceiling. There was a 30-piece a, a orchestra. All puppets came up on an elevator. And, <laughs> that sounds okay. wild. I mean, it, was, it took three months. Was there a waterfall, install. too, and, like a, and, a, and a skating yeah, rink? a sk skating rink and all those things, all those effects. How about Billy and, Graham? And Billy Graham was brought <laughs> to see... Thank you, Marty. They, <laughs> they brought... I was getting to it, Marty. Well, I mean... Um, you got only a month. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you something. Godfrey, yeah. do you have a lawyer that I could divorce my brother? Oh, really? He, <laughs> really? He starved to death. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are great. Okay, okay so anyway, 
uh, Billy Graham, uh, Kennedy was supposed to cut the ribbon on opening day. Uh-huh. And something happened, and they and uh, Billy Graham came instead. And he was brought to our very first show. The big attraction of that show was after it was over and you saw this unbelievable spectacle, the whole audience was invited backstage to see the naked girls, the puppets, in their dressing room getting dressed to leave the theater (laughs) and to see this big piece of machinery, you know. Well, Billy Graham wouldn't come back. And that night he had a rally of 100,000 people in the stadium. And he announced that everybody in America should come and see the World's Fair. It's unbelievable. Seattle is the most beautiful place. But he said, don't go see a show called Les Poupées de Paris because the women don't wear bras. Well, (laughs) forget it. Did it, did it boost Forget the uh, I, I couldn't get, we couldn't get a friend in the theater for six months. That was the biggest attraction at the Seattle. I love it. Fair. Yeah. Well, the follow up to the follow up to that story is the next week, Time Magazine picked it up and said, think about it, a dirty puppet show. That's why we sold out. <laughs> Was Nixon in the audience? Uh, no. Uh, no, Nixon was in the audience here in L.A. Okay. When we opened out in uh, the uh, the city of Sepulveda. I'm not helping you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not helping you, he just said to him. That was the first place, Lake Poupée de Paris. Uh, Nat Hart was the maitre d' at the Flamingo Hotel. And he said he was leaving Vegas and he was going to build a restaurant, theater, nightclub. And that's where Les Poupées de Paris started. Yeah, I, I should it, urge your fans, people who, who love your television shows, to find that album. And it's on it's online. It's on Amazon. I mean, Pearl Bailey's great. She practically steals the record. Oh, oh well, here's, here's something. Love is a bore. Thing. Love is a bore. It's great. Is, is Barbara Streisand's hit. On her album, People. Oh, I didn't know That's that. That's on People, yeah. yeah. Tell us about being picked up by the Dean Martin show. I know you, it only led to eight episodes. Well, what happened on the Dean Martin show is I made a huge mistake. I asked Liberace, who had the biggest fan club in the world, he, to tell his fans to write in and say there should be more puppets. And so all these women from all over the world wrote in, and Dean got really upset, and he fired us. Wow. he got all this mail. Yeah. I never heard that story before. Oh, bullshit. Right. <laughs> what? <laughs> what, what, what was Dino like to work with? I know he didn't rehearse famously. Never, never. We would rehearse all week long, and then he, I would tell him, hey, Dean, stand on the left side, because that all the puppeteers, there were like, I don't know, five, six, eight puppeteers in, in black, you know, that were crushed out 
on the screen. And it was very complex. And if you said left, he would do, go to the right. <laughs> so then, you know, he would do the opposite all the time to throw you. Right. So he, he never came to rehearsal. I'm sure, ever. yeah. He was infamous yeah. for that. Yeah. You did eight episodes of it. And fired. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I got to jump backwards like we do on this show all the time. Because you mentioned Sid Caesar. And what was it like working with Sid Caesar? Oh, God, I loved him. I mean, come on. He, he was the pro to end all pros. There aren't performers like that anymore, you know? I mean, he did it all. He was in vaudeville. He was on television. He was... Nobody could do dialects like him. No, he had it all. And he he was the greatest pro ever to work with. Did you enjoy working with him, Marty? Oh, yeah. Well, he was great, but it didn't help. Anything we did with Pink Lady did not help. <laughs> I think it sounds like you could have gotten Julius Caesar. It wouldn't have helped Pink yeah, Lady. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> Jeff Altman, now, he was a trip. <laughs> but I, th- I think he wound up taking drugs after this show. <laughs> <laughs> He's still around, Jeff. We should get him on here and ask him yeah, his experience. I, oh, I yeah. see him all the time. Do you? Yeah. So you guys had built your own shop by this point. You built. You were starting to build the uh, the the factory, and you were being. Th- uh, when let me see if I have the chronology right. When did you were you asked to design the the characters and the sets for Banana Splits? So, soon well, after you left, Dean Martin. No, no. Um, in between all of that, we were the creative heads of Six Flags, and we had a puppet theater mm-hmm. in every park. Uh, that sat 1,200 people, and there were nine shows a day, and um, and we and they set up uh, what we call the show business factory. And in April, after we would build everything for them, we didn't want to let any of the people go. We had over 250 the greatest craftsmen on the planet working for us. So we opened our doors to everybody. And that's when Hannah Barbera came in. Because in our puppet shows, we always had a little person that we disguised as a marionette mixed with the puppets. Uh-huh. With strings. And the audience never knew that. The press never knew it. Interesting. Yeah. So, so we knew how to build people in suits. So this is what now, 67 or 68, Joe Barbera approached you guys? Uh, yeah, it was before Puffin stuff, right. 68. Yeah. 68. Yeah. Banana, and banana Splits always reminded me of sort of loosely being based on something like Laughing or Hell's, Pop- a, or Hell's a Poppin'. Hell, Hell's a Poppin'. Yeah. I work with Olsen and Johnson. You worked with Olsen and Johnson? Johnson, oh, my God. yeah, yeah. We opened in a show. It never came to Broadway. It was called Pardon Our Antenna, and it was all about television. It was great. I love it. It was great. I I worked with Charlie Chaplin. Did you? Yeah. No, I had dinner with him. Oh, you had dinner with Chaplin. Well, well, come on. Tell us about that, Marty. Well, Sid has to finish the 
Banana split story. No, I. But I forgot what the question it. was. We'll get back hey, to banana we, splits. Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> well, I went to. I was on a trip with my wife uh, in Europe in the '60s, and I uh, was with a producer and his wife, uh, who was a. She was in a picture called The Fox. That, at the time, she was well known. Invited us to dinner at Lausanne, Switzerland. He said, "I'm going to invite someone to dinner." Believe it or not, it was Charlie Chaplin. So he was interesting, but of course I stuck my foot in it. Uh, I said, I said to the table, isn't it great living in Europe? You're 20 minutes from everything. And Charlie Chaplin says, you're right, including the third world war. That was <laughs> That's it. a funny line. <laughs> and, and I heard a quote where that's, where you said the secret of your success was screwing with children's minds. No, I we never said that. Maybe Marty. Marty talks <laughs> like that. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you, I definitely said that. Yeah. <laughs> I said don't, it. <laughs> it I don't like talk him. like because that. Because you know why? Because we were screwing with their minds. That's why, no matter what Sid says, that's why we're, they're still with us. I mean, these people walk down the street, and I can ask them to sing a theme song, and they're forty-five years old, and they're and still they singing it. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now that's amazing to us. That's what really blows us away—that they took it with them all these years. Of course, all of our shows. You know, we did twenty-six titles that turned into series, and twenty-one specials. And all of them were on network, you know? So it's not like we're all over the place now on cable. We are on Amazon and a couple of... I think Gilbert and I are two of those kids you're talking about who know, who know specific mm-hmm. episodes. We know yeah. the theme songs. And before Jurassic Park, you did yeah. Land of the Lost. Yeah. Lost, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and tell us about when you tried to build what was going to be the next Disney World. Ah, the world of uh, Sid and Marty Croft. Sid and Marty Croft, yeah. Well, it was so amazing in Atlanta. Uh, but they promised us, the mayor of Atlanta, that they were going to clean up downtown. And people were afraid to come downtown. And that was the Omni, which is now CNN. So the real, the real bad part of the whole thing is if you have something that fails, it goes away and you never have to see it again. I, I watch CNN. I have to watch that park every day. <laughs> As a matter of fact, my doctor was down in Atlanta last week and I told him to go by the escalator. We built this nine-story freestanding escalator is the entrance, which cost about a million dollars then. So he gets on the escalator. He says, it's a tour that CNN gives. It was all about Sid Marty Croft 400 years later. So you can't kill that with a baseball bat. (laughs) No, it was amazing. You know, it had a pinball ride. You got in the pinball. A crystal, mythological, three-tiered carousel. State-of-the-art. All crystal. It was, it was, you know, we painted everybody's face and everybody working in there 
was an, a, a performer. So there were shows just for you. The world's first indoor amusement park. That's right. Yeah. And there was a giant hotel in it. And when you looked out your window, you saw yeah. like ice skating going on and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And that giant escalator. Right. We had a suite in the hotel called the World of Sid and Marty Croft Suite. And Jimmy Carter and his kid and his wife had the suite the night they won the election. They used our suite. Nice. Well, we have a picture with him. That's not a he, real interesting story. He came. <laughs> He's going to tell it, though. <laughs> he came to our, uh, a day before we opened. And uh, all the Secret Service kept pushing him close, closer and closer to him in case there was somebody that was going to shoot him. We would have gotten shot first. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I just wanted to ask you how working for Hanna Barbera gave you guys the the motivation to do to do your own thing. Well, we, you know, it wasn't a motivation. Joe Barbera was sorry he ever asked us to do it because NBC came to me with Kellogg's, uh-huh. and they said, "Why don't you do your own show next?" So that's how we got into puffing stuff next. And, so and Kellogg's was, was on board. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Big time. So, you know, that was our first show. And then, you know, we wound up having about four shows at the same time. So we knocked off, you know, a number of the cartoons. And, and you guys uh, so you guys were smart about make, uh, making presentations because you made them visual. You knew people wouldn't read just the written right. word. Oh, right. yeah, we still do that. <clears throat> we go in with this big book with all the characters because nobody reads. Yeah. And we make them sit around and... Well, we can't fool them anymore, though. I have to tell you the truth. <laughs> they, they, they'd like to read something, okay? But we still and, do the visual. And didn't you work with Mick Jagger at one point? Uh, no. Uh, no, Mick Jagger, we didn't work with him. Uh, the Bugaloos, uh, Lionel Bart was a real good friend of mine because I was in a show in London for a year. And Lionel Bart, uh, when we did the Bugaloos, came and helped us audition at, uh, where were we auditioning? I was in there. I was in London alone. No, I... 2,000 2000 kids in line. No, you weren't. It wasn't that Puffin stuff with Lionel Bart? No. No. And Lionel Bart brought Mick Jagger when we picked the finals. I see. And Mick... Yeah, that was. It. Well, tell us about tell us about pitching would, Puffin stuff because this is the first time you guys went in there to pitch your own series. You know, there's one big problem with this interview. You guys know too much. We <laughs> can never get out of here. <laughs> Jeez. We could pretend to know less if you like. There was research didn't like the name HR Puffin stuff. I know that. No. Oh. No, they thought it was a too feminine powder puff, and. Uh, when we handed in the rough cut, which they insisted upon, they hated it. And they t gave us notes, 10 pages of notes. We didn't change one thing. We sweetened it, gave it back to them, and they said, oh, thank you so much. It's wonderful. And so that's what happened. You were getting 10,000 letters a week about Puffin stuff at one point? Oh, well, because 
Puffin stuff at the end of the show said, keep those letters and postcards coming in. And, oh, my God, we had a, a room up to the ceiling. We've never answered one we of them. We didn't know what the hell to do. <laughs> remind, remind Gilbert and I not to send you guys any mail. No, we did. We finally right. did answer it. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Uh, <laughs> And you guys wound up suing McDonald's over Mayor McCheese because right. of his resemblance to Puffin Stuff. Do we have Let that right, too? The, the most important thing of this interview is you two guys laughing. The <laughs> best audience. Are you kidding? <laughs> McDonald's? Well, you know, we ultimately did what the Beverly Hills lawyers told us not to do. How could you sue McDonald's? But they, you know, they, they had access. Ray Kroc had access. Right. And we decided they ripped us off. A McShee, Mayor McShee's was puffing stuff. The Hamburglar was witchy poo. Yeah. And ultimately, 13 years later, it took 13 years to, to win the whole thing. I love it. But we did. It's the copyright. It's the, it's the number one case of copyright law in the world. It's in all the law books right now. Interesting. I'll tell you, the yeah. one thing we're trying to figure out, maybe you can help us. Uh we have, we're told we have about 40 million fans dedicated. We're looking for a way to get a dollar from each one. <laughs> so <that we> can <laughs> go. <laughs> How is oh, that that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> that shouldn't be too hard, Marty. Jeez, you two guys like each other, don't you? <laughs> we like you guys. You know, the interesting, one of the interesting things about your shows, and we've talked, we've had, uh, People on here from cartoons. In those days, you know, Yogi Bear was was Art Carney and Huckleberry Hound was was Andy Griffith. And you, yeah, well, they were they were uh, homages, yeah. if you will. But you you guys you guys did the same thing. I mean, Doctor Blinky was Ed Wynn and Ludacris Lion was a little bit of W. C. Fields. They were they were tributes to the to the the comedians oh, you yeah. guys grew up with. Yeah, that's right. I hope you run out even, of things to Even know. Orson the Vulture was Frank Nelson. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so they were homages, right? I'll tell you the truth. I have never, ever done an interview with two guys that know this much. Scary. <laughs> we're scary. <laughs> you know more than we do. I got to say, I mean, you know, I went back and watched some Puffin stuff uh, prepping for the interview. And it's, I don't know, 40, wow. 45 years later. You know, it's as, it's as bizarre and as original as, as it was then. It holds and I'm looking up, at it in my it? 50s. Yeah. And I looked at it when, you know, when I was a, a teenager. And it's, it's, yeah. as, it's as original and as wild as it, as it ever was. Well, one of the key parts of it, uh, I had a very close friend who introduced me to his cousin, who was a producer, showrunner, writer. His name was Cy Rose. He did from McHale's Navy on. So mm -hmm. he was kind of phasing out. I asked him to come and help us because I said, you know, we got an order for a series from Puffin Stuff. I sent the, our assistant to the bookstore to get a book on how to produce the show because we never did it before. But Cy Rose was a master at jokes. And that's a very specialized field. Yeah. And a lot of his stuff, you know, if you look at Puffin stuff, holds today. Because it's very hard 
to find a guy that can write those jokes. Oh, yeah. See, so. I got to tell you what, what we really wanted when we did Puff and Stuff. We didn't want the adults to just shove their kids in front of the TV set. We wanted to capture mom or dad to watch it with them. So the jokes were very adult. And if mom laughed or dad laughed, the kid would laugh, maybe didn't understand it. You know, nobody likes a smart door or all those, you know, goody two shoes or all those little lines that were in puffing stuff. Well, we didn't know that we were producing a show that the adults, that even the college kids or whatever. So I got a call one day from a manager here of the Beatles and they wanted the kinescopes because at that time, you know, you didn't have all the the technology we have mm-hmm. today. So so we would send them periodically the tapes at the shows. And what was your so, process when you when you created a show like Puff and Stuff or Bugaloos, did the two of you just get in a room together and and spend and spitball ideas? Did it start with a concept? Did it start with an image? Concept. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, we had this wasn't just us. Walt Disney did not do all of his of own course, stuff. Of course, So we have had, we had some incredible young. We always believed in the the young people with talent. We didn't care about their you know their credits and all that. Today you can't get a writer approved unless they they see what he's. I done. said to Marty the other day, do you realize that we probably employed thousands thousands of people? I'm sure. And 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 what we get all the time. To this day, I mean, famous directors and choreographers and whatever uh, come up to us uh, and say, when I was a kid, I watched your shows and I really credit you guys for wanting me to get into show business just the way when I saw The Wizard of Oz, I knew you, you know, I have to do something. You know, now that I'm hearing all this, this is all the past. But this company, Croft, is still in action. So I show up in this office that you're... And I'm at the gym. You know, he's at the gym. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you about that, Marty. You still come in five days a week? Well, I come in for a few hours. Yeah, uh-huh. like 7.30 in the morning. Good for you. Till 8 o'clock at night. Because he's we've got done, nothing else to we've do. We've done... <laughs> We've done three series uh-huh. in the last two years. Uh-huh. I've done five pilots, so we're we're in the action. Yeah, uh, one series, Mud and Stuff, which is with the twenty three dogs. We've got seventy three episodes in two years plus. We just finished two one hour specials. So you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff still going on. So there's still pain in in was my the, life. Was there talk of rebooting the uh, the the the, the Paris show? Well, actually, right now, the guy that keeps wanting to do it is David Arquette. David Arquette wants to find a, a he has a club in town. He wants us to redo it. Uh-huh. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. I see. And what was it like working with Richard Pryor? Well, oh, on Pryor's that a, place, that, yeah. That was interesting. Richard Pryor was not easy, but very talented. And... Uh, I guess the only thing I remember with him is he he called me one day when I was mad at him and I went to his dressing room. He said, I want you to handle, I want to, oh, I'm going to open up a black film company and I want to do a uh, press conference. 
So he said, I want you to work it out. I said, I'm not a press agent. He said, no, I want you to do it. So I hired my two guys to do it. And the lady from the New York Times asked him at the press, at the, at this press moment, she said, why did you do this show for kids, Richard? Is it because you're trying to do something good with all the drugs you did and the kids you screwed the kids up? He said, no. He said, let me tell you why I did it. He asked her, do you know Marty Croft? She said, no. He said, well, if you knew him, you'd say yes to him in a room and get him the hell out. <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> but Richard was great. He was great. We had, that, that was a, a real special time. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast after this. Tell us about somebody you work with a lot that I'll assume was easier to deal with, and that's the great, the late great Billy Barty. Oh, he was great. Oh, yeah. I love Billy. Yeah, but when we did Puffin stuff, it was Billy Barty that knew we needed thirty some odd little people. And he reached out. We brought them from Germany. We brought them from all over the world because we didn't want uh, uh, little dwarfs. We wanted, you know, uh, in those days, well, you call them now little people. Yeah. And and uh, uh, that is a story within itself, just dealing with 30 uh, little people, you know, <laughs> more than the Wizard of Oz right. had. Did you know that the man sitting next to me lost a part to Billy Barty? Uh, yeah. I was, <laughs> I went up for a Mel Brooks film, Life Stinks. And oh, they yeah. said, we, we really want you for this part. And then at the last minute, I find out, no, they're not going with you. They're going with <laughs> Billy Barty. <laughs> <laughs> like, now, that's the funniest thing today. <laughs> it, I wouldn't mind if I lost to George Clooney. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Barty Billy had a lot Barty. of range. <laughs> oh, God. Tell us about he, Charles, working with Charles Nelson Riley too, on Lidsville. Another guy we liked. Yeah, he was good, except I lied to him. I To get him, I told him the makeup would take 20 minutes. It took three hours. <laughs> and he, he hated he, me. He said it was like a Polish, uh, uh, what, 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 did he, what did he say? I can't help you Concentration with that. Concentration camp or something. <laughs> oh, my God. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Lidsville. Oh, God. Oh, he wasn't. complained all the he time. He complained a lot? Now, yeah. now, we got a very scary story. Is this about Butch? Uh, yeah, Butch Patrick, who played Eddie Munster on the Munsters, yeah. Yeah. and he said he was being chased around. Oh, when he did by Lidsville, Charles Nelson. He, Riley. he said Charles chased him around the set. Really, oh, really? Yeah, I, I, I think he sure he didn't mean Liberace. <laughs> <laughs> God, I don't remember that. Uh, <laughs> tell tell us something about the great Martha Ray. Oh, I loved Martha well, she would, Ray. First of all, she all was of a our, friend of mine. All of our villains uh-huh. were our stars. You know, Benita Bazaar sure. was a great villain. And, uh, and of course, some puff and stuff, Wishy Poo. Yep. So, who do? Charles Nelson Riley. So, uh, but Martha what Ray happened was a with Martha man. Ray? Um, in the movie, the puff and stuff movie, um, we approached uh, 
Betty Davis. Oh, you did? To play, to play Boss Witch. Wow. And, and Betty Davis, uh, someone gave me her phone number in um, Connecticut. And she had an ad in the trades. She was looking for a job. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. And so I got her on the phone, and she said, uh, I said, well, we're doing a movie at Universal. And she said, what's the part? And I said, boss witch. And she said, you want me to play a witch? Fuck you and hung up. <laughs> oh, that was good. <laughs> what a story. <laughs> That was a good one. <laughs> and so we, I sent her a handwritten fantastic. letter. I never heard back from her. But uh, the little woman that's in uh, CSI or one of those, who is that? I'm not. Oh, Linda her. Hunt. Linda Hunt. Yeah. <laughs> she was another one that told me the four-letter word. I offered her. She said, what do you want me to be, a mushroom? <laughs> <laughs> Gilbert would have been in a Sid and Marty show for scale. Oh, he would have been thrilled to be asked. Believe me. Uh, oh my God! Yeah. What what kind of character was Martha Ray? I mean, she's you know her was legend who? precedes her. Martha Ray. A what do you mean by what kind of character? Yeah. yeah. What, what kind of I mean, character? I mean, I don't mean what I mean. What kind of character was she in real life? Oh, oh the same way. Yeah, exactly. She was Benita Bazaar. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and but she was no trouble though. Yeah, she was a pro. She came to work. She was, she was well. Most of the talent are pros that way. A couple, you know. I knew of, her when she had the club in in Florida, her own club, and and uh, the second choice we had after Betty Davis was the uh, the black comedian that was on television, Marty? Pearl remember? Bailey? Huh? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. You know who I'm talking about? We called him. He wanted too much money. Who's that? He played a famous black comedian. and He played a, 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 a character in drag. Who was that? Oh. Flip Wilson. Flip Wilson. Oh, Flip Wilson. Thank yeah, sure. Geraldine. Yeah. But he wanted... Uh, I don't know, $100,000 or something. He was a huge star. And that's why we settled with Martha Ray. She was and, a friend of mine. And what did you do and what was it like working with a former podcast guest, uh, the great Bruce Dern? Oh, I love Marty got Bruce. He was a friend of Marty's. Did you ever meet him, Sid? I'm only kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we had him on this show. He's a he's a he's a wonderful storyteller. Oh, he's fabulous. Yeah. No, he's a he's a pro. Yeah, he really is. He's out of his mind. <laughs> he's a little bit. <laughs> no, but we gave. Actually, I gave. I was in Dallas shooting in Middle Age Crazy, the movie. We, yeah, good movie we with him, with uh, with uh, Anne, Anne, Margaret. Anne Margaret. Yeah, good so flick. his daughter Laura Dern was about fifteen. I gave her her first shot. As a, uh, a a Dallas cowgirl, we shot it in the stadium. But Bruce was, you know, a major talent. Did you guys do? This is something interesting. Did you do a live show at the Hollywood Bowl, the World of Sid uh, and Marty? 
about yeah with the Brady bunch with the Brady and, kids and, and, and the Puff and Stuff uh, cast and right. Billy Barty and Billy Barty yeah what yeah. was that experience like that was uh, that was good that was good <laughs> <laughs> it came off without a hitch did it <laughs> you know before, what it is before We're Marty right. joined me I I did a night with my act uh, Johnny Green and the Symphony Orchestra uh huh yeah at the Hollywood Bowl. So that was a second time we were there. And speaking of the Brady cast, I saw an interview with you, Marty, and you were talking about how, how uh, uh, the stage mom, the Osmond's mother, who was, uh, who, yeah, you were saying that you, uh, she would say, uh, you'd say, can they skate? And she'd say, how much time do you need? <laughs> no. Yeah. Can that's they, right. can they juggle? We're talk, we talking about Donnie and Marie. Yeah, Donnie the, Os- Marie. the Osmond's yeah. mother. Donnie and Marie. Yeah. Right. Oh, she. By the way, another one just came into my life. The nephew, David Osmond. Oh, really? Actually, is, is talented. Yeah. Uh huh. I wrote a talk show a, for them. They were very nice to me. Yeah. Oh, they were. He's great. doing a show called Wonderama. Uh huh. Which was an old show. That, oh, sure. So he's doing doing it again. We had Sonny Fox, uh, the original host of Wonderama, here on the podcast. Really? He's he's going strong in his nineties. And what you know, was it like working with Donnie and Marie? <laughs> And Bruce Valanche was a writer on that show. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Let me ask you, do you guys ever get tired? (laughs) (laughs) Marty, we have no lives. Let me tell you, I'm out of steam. (laughs) I got no more jokes on the paper. We'll wrap it it up in five minutes. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us about the Donnie and Marie show. What about it? Yeah. Well, <laughs> what do you remember about Donnie and Marie? Well, they were. I'll tell you what I remember. She yeah. was. I told Marie last week at the Emmys. Uh huh. She was being interviewed. I went up to her. I hadn't seen her in a long time. I said, "Do you know how much money you owe me?" And then she says to me, "No, no, no. You owe me money. That's an actor." Really? But you know what? They're doing good. I don't know how much they get in Vegas, but they, they, oh, they don't like it. Oh, they're, they're out there. They're four-walling, four-walling. They're billionaires. Yeah. They sell out every show. Yep. You guys, I have to give you credit. You've survived every other company in kids' TV. Hanna-Barbera, no, Fil- Filmation. You're, you're, you're the last of the Mohicans. No, we survived this show. <laughs> <laughs> you're still going and, strong. And, and <laughs> like the old expression, everything old is new again, you got Aren't it. they remaking so many of your old shows? Well, they now? made Land of the Lost into a yeah. feature. Yeah. yeah, we. I have to tell you, we made that and failed because you you lost control over a two hundred million dollar movie. So that wound up being a Will Ferrell sketch. So, but you know what? We made the picture. We're going to do it. We're going to do a series with Land of the Lost. I'm out there now trying to figure out how to do it. And with that, we ha- I have. Uh, Akiva Goldsman, you know that. Oh, is? sure, so, yeah, wrote, yeah, wrote and, many, and I, many screenplays. A beautiful mind. Yeah, sure. He just produced Star Trek, and we've got Jeff uh, Pinkner, and he did Lost. He did Spider Man and uh-huh. Jumanji. So we got some good people. Today, you got to have the writers. That that's the number one thing. Oh, absolutely. What do you guys look back on? I mean, when you look back at your at your body of work, uh, are there are there one or two things that you're particularly proud of? 
that you'd like oh, to t- that you'd like to sit and watch again? And I mean, I don't mean just for nostalgic purposes, but just to put it's it on. It's always always your first show is your baby. Puffin stuff is my favorite, and of course, they all you know. Mine is Laurel and Hardy. No. Yeah. <laughs> Sons of the Desert. And what was it so anyway, like working yeah, Puffin with... Puffin Stuff, you know, being your first show. Look, uh, that's that's it. Sid said it. Your first show, you know, you go back to. And I think we were lucky enough to have the talent and the support people to make that show legendary. Do you want to hear my Jimmy Hoffa story? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. At the okay. Do you have one? <laughs> you know what? You have to pay for that one. Yeah. <laughs> why why yeah, aren't you guys? One. Why aren't you guys writing a memoir or or or, or doing uh, your life I stories? The, I don't have the time. You don't have the time. You're too busy. <laughs> Do you, you know we yeah. lost Chuck McCann recently? And he oh, was, oh, nice to see him. I what, saw him at Comic Con. Yeah, sweet guy. Year. We loved him, and you guys did a wow. series with him. Any any quick stories about Chuck before we let you well, run I, off? I, you know, I saw I could, I'm at CBS every day. So there's a restaurant across the street called Jinkies, mm-hmm. and he's there every day at lunch. He's sitting at the bar, doesn't drink. I mean, that's where he has his lunch. So I used to see him all the time. Just recently. That's yeah, too bad. That was a big loss. Yeah, we love him. Yeah. And any any yeah. quick stories about him? About working with him? Well, the only thing that I know far out space. He was, all, he was always pissed off that <laughs> I never re- released the DVD on far out space nuts. You know, oh, that I was see. his big complaint. Thank you guys for doing this. And, and oh God, thank you for having us on. I hope you have a big pair of scissors. <laughs> <laughs> So this has been Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast. I'm here with my co-host Frank Santo Padre, and we've been talking to two guys who are busier than ever and still deny rampant drug use. <laughs> Sid and Marty Croft. Guys, we, we we thank you for making our childhood special. We're, you're you're both national treasures. We appreciate Thanks. it. Thanks. Great. Thanks. You guys Dang. were great. You got someone who loves you. You got someone who cares. You got someone who picks you up if ever you need repairs. You got someone who takes the time to listen to your prayers. I got you. Got everybody. You got someone who cares by the name of H.R. Puffin Stuff. Where'd you go when things get rough? Sure hope so. Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast is produced by Dara Gottfried and Frank Santapadre with audio production by Frank Verderosa. Web and social media is handled by Mike McPadden, Greg Pear, and John Bradley Seals. Special audio contributions by John Beach. Special thanks to Paul Rayburn, John Murray, John Proteatis, and Nutmeg Creative. 
especially Sam Giovanco and Daniel Farrell for their assistance.